Hey everyone, welcome to the Access Podcast. We're in the week two of our uh, podcast series. We miss you guys. Can't wait to get back meeting in person come January. And this week we're going to be uh, continuing our series, Glass Ceiling, Taking the Limits Off of God. And as we get going into this, we're going to have a conversation with three of our very own, very special people, Hannah Slatinsky, Zach Gershel, and Carissa Rolader. <laughs> Let's get into this. So today we're going to be talking about uh, contentment, and we're going to be basing uh, today's conversation on Philippians 4, and our kind of core text throughout this entire series is going to be in Philippians, and talking about just contentment today. We're going to be in Philippians 4, 10 through 13. So I'm going to read this for us, and it's going to spark our topic for the day. So Philippians 4, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last you have received your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked an opportunity to act. So basically what he's saying here is he's saying the Philippians had a gift for Paul, and he had sent uh, one of his one of his co-workers to go and receive the offering to bring back to Paul because Paul was in prison and he needed the offering to help him while he was in prison basically pay for some things so that he didn't get killed. Legit. So anyway, so he's saying uh, you lacked an opportunity to give, but now you have the opportunity. And he says in verse 11, Not that I speak from need, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. I know how to get along with little, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And this is the secret. Verse 13, I can do all things through him or through Christ who strengthens me. And so today we're going to be talking about contentment. Another way to say this is uh, thankfulness, and more so than talking about the act of being thankful, I'd love to talk to us about the perspective of being thankful or the attitude of being thankful. Because you know that there's like you know you know like think back when you were a little kid, right? And like you get in trouble, maybe you, maybe Zach you beat Bryce up or something like that, and. And your parents are like, hey, go like say sorry. And you go to like Bryce and you're like, sorry. And then you don't mean it, but your parents, let you, you said it and so they let you go, right? So there's a difference between apologizing and truly feeling sorry, right? And that's kind of the heart of what we're getting at today is I'm not interested in just being thankful. Like thank, Thanksgiving just happened like a few weeks ago. And it's not just like I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for heat in my car. You know, I had one winter that this is totally random. I had no heat in my car the whole winter. It was terrible. So I'm very thankful for heat now. But that's not about being thankful for those things, but it's more of like the attitude. It's more of like the, if I can say worldview or perspective that includes gratitude and contentment in a world of discouragement, despair, and in a culture where, you know, we have all these things that are trying to make us miserable and all these commercials that try to make us feel like we're missing out on everything. And we have Instagram and, and Snapchat that makes us feel like everyone else is doing better than us. And we suck, but that's not the case. So anyway, we're talking about the perspective and the attitude of contentment and thankfulness. 
And so when we talk about glass ceilings, that's the series that we're in, what we define kind of as glass ceiling, um, it's, a, it's a corporate term. And the corporate term is really talking about an unspoken or a uh, limit or an unspoken limitation placed on a minority group. For example, an unspoken rule that women, a woman could never be a CEO of a certain company. Or maybe there's an unspoken rule or expectation that a Hispanic American would never be the manager of a certain uh, business. And sometimes, uh, as we talked about last week in the podcast, if you missed it, the limitation is, is not official, but it's, sub, it's, un, it's unspoken. It's real, but it's not defined. And kind of the way that we're connecting it to this uh, series is we want to take the limits off of God. There are, sometimes there's unspoken uh, limitations that we have on our life because of certain beliefs, perspectives, or attitudes that hurt and limit what God can do in our life. Because God is like totally active. He's totally for us. He's totally ready to help us grow in our faith with our family, with our school, with our friends. He's totally there to be with us. But sometimes we place limitations on God because of unspoken rules that we have or unspoken beliefs that we have. And so today uh, we're talking about contentment and we're talking about really kind of like complaining in different aspects and attitudes that we'd have. And so in a world uh, right now, there's a lot of like really sucky stuff that's been happening, right? Like this 2020s, no surprise to anyone, it's been a little bit difficult if, if you would if you would uh, judge it based on previous years like Hannah and Carissa like last spring like both of your graduations and whole like senior year got just totally crushed right and you have like Zach your freshman year of college this is like you think it's one thing and all of a sudden boom online learning all things canceled and it's just like your whole and then summer happens and then and then there's just been so many disappointments there's been so many setbacks there's been right political tension I can imagine that most of you have had family disagreements with politics, whether it be about the Black Lives Matter things or George Floyd situation, or whether it was the politics of, of differing views on politics, or whether, no matter what we're talking about, 2020 has exposed a lot of aggravations that we've had. And it's been really tough, right? It's been a tough year, terrible for job markets, terrible for school, online learning, terrible for them single people who want to go on dates but they can't really go out on dates and and uh i want to talk to us about how we how we fit all those disappointments into our life and how do we don't get stuck in having the attitude of of complaining disappointment and having low expectations but to raising our expectations and blowing and shattering the glass ceiling and then some of those unspoken beliefs that we have about God and how he's supposed to interact with us. And so I want to really talk about this idea that God, the goodness, God's goodness can reset our expectations. God's goodness resets our expectations. Have you guys ever had like a, a situation? I want you to think of a situation where like you had a certain expectation and then that expectation wasn't met, right? Whether it was something with school or whether it was a person or maybe it was with your parents and then you had an expectation but the other person had a different expectation you know this happens um, in, in friendships and relationships a lot where we have unspoken expectations of how the other person is supposed to act 
And I think for a lot of us, you know, we talked about it in the previous episode, but we're going to talk about it today a little bit too, is a lot of us have some of these unspoken expectations that we've placed on God and how he's supposed to interact with our world. And I think that sometimes that's where the tension that we have with this complaining. It's like, God, if, if, if you were so involved, why is this happening, right? And I thought life was supposed to be better for me because I'm in a relationship with you. I thought, I thought that, you know, the, the relationships, the job, the school, the family, I thought all this is supposed to be working out and it doesn't seem to be working out. And I, and I really want to talk today about how God's goodness resets our expectations, that he's, God is actually leading us. I'm talking to myself too, preaching to the choir. He's leading us to be in a place to where we're content in every situation, but also striving to improve those situations. I say striving. We should have hope for those situations to improve. That might be a better way of saying it. That we're content that God, even if this never changes, God, I love you, and I'm so thankful that you have me where I am. But I have a vision, or maybe I have hope that my family, or I have hope that my job, or I have hope that you name it, is going to improve because you're a good God. You got, and I know you're, you're, this is probably sparking some even tension in your mind and, and in, your, in your experiences in life, but I want to go back to Philippians 4 real quick and just highlight this again. It says that, in verse 11, Philippians 4, not that I speak from need, Paul speaking, for I have learned to grow, to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. That's crazy. He's in, he's in prison. Like he is like on the verge and the brink of death as we find out in other parts of Philippians. And he's saying, I can be content in every situation that I'm in. I know how to get along with little, also know how to live in prosperity. In every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And this is the secret. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's the secret that God is involved in every situation that we're in. And we can do it not through our own strength, but through the strength that comes with relationship with Christ. I think it's so interesting here. You guys, have, I want to point out in this verse that God is in the situation when Paul was hungry. He was in the situation when he was filled with abundance. That God is not a respecter of our maybe worldly judgment of how someone's doing. That God is actually in the midst of so many different situations in suffering and need in difficulty, in, in conflict. God's in the middle of all of it. And so for us, I think we should shatter the, gl- the glass ceiling of the worldly expectations or the complaining that comes in. And let's uh, learn to take the limits off of God by allowing him to teach us what it means to be content in a world full of disappointment. So the world is, 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 is known, like life is tragic. And God is teaching us and Christ modeled it for us to learn to be content. He modeled contentment in a world full of disappointment. He almost, you could, you could imagine it this way, like you can almost imagine Jesus playing a different game. Like it's like if there were a sport, like Jesus was playing a game and the disciples were playing a different game. They're playing by a totally different set of rules. They're, they're seeing everything happening totally different than Christ. And similarly with Paul, 
that Paul is 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 in prison and he's writing and he's saying, I can be and later in earlier in Philippians 4, he says, I'm not anxious about anything. And it's like, wait a minute, dude, you're in prison. Like I get anxious. Like I get anxious when I, I, I'm in the drive-thru at Starbucks and it takes them three minutes to make my drink. You know what I'm talking about? Like, and he's saying, don't be anxious about anything. And it's a crazy, almost like a different perspective. But that's the, that's the beauty of God's word. It's the beauty of Christ and his, his love and his wisdom is that he transcends the worldly way of thinking about things. And so even though life is tragic, disappointment, we're in a pandemic, right? Shutdowns are happening again. Coronavirus is, is spreading and there's all this fear. I think there's this question that we need to be asking ourselves is, God, how can I be content in this world full of disappointments? And this is what it says in 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8. But godliness with contentment is great gain. So, so he's saying that the great gain, right, the great reward is godliness with contentment. And this is what it says in the verse right after. Are you ready? It says, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Man, that's a hard message for me to like to to hear because this world has a lot of things that I love, right? In this world, there's things that I desire, and that's is the tension. You just sense this tension of like, okay, it's not that we can't have things, but it's like we can't allow those things to have us, and we have to learn to be content in every situation. I'm I'm wondering even if you can think about this as I'm talking to you guys, just how can you learn? How do we learn? to be content? What are some practices that help us to be content in life? And so I, as I'm thinking about the time that we're in, I'm wondering if we can change the way that we think about, I don't know, just the end of 2020. And as we kind of go into 2021, is to think about it differently in, in light of contentment, in light of being thankful, in light of viewing what's happening in our life as God knowing exactly what we are going through and providing everything that we needed to thrive and be a light and to be content with what's going on. So what if this season is the greatest season of your life? You just haven't realized it yet. What if all the disappointment, conflict, and pressure, God's given us the greatest opportunity to be content in any circumstance? What if this is the greatest season of your life? I think contentment reveals that we've truly learned to treasure Christ. It shows that we've started to learn to let go of this world and have started to see the world through a different perspective. Reminds me just of Matthew 19. What does it profit profit a man to gain the whole world yet lose his soul? And so as as we kind of close out here, I just think we have an opportunity as, as followers of Jesus right now as we close out 2020 to really learn to be content with our life and our lot. That we can't control what we're born into, what family we're born into, but we can control and we can uh, see God's goodness and change our expectations from God needs to make my life clean and you know he needs to make my life easy to God, you've made my life good in the sense that I can be content with whatever happens. So let's reset our expectations. Let's have godliness 
and contentment be the thing that we strive for, that, that we uh, aim for, I should say, so that even when a pandemic hits, even when family conflict arises, Christ's love will motivate us and his perfect, uh, perspective will shine through the darkness that the devil is trying to bring onto us and our family. And just, let's remember that greater is he who lives in us than he who is in the world. I'm just going to end by uh, kind of just sharing 1 Timothy 6, 6 again as we close. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we, can take, we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we'll be content. So let's jump right into uh, this conversation. I'd love to hear from all of you, Carissa, Zach, and Hannah. All right, so this has been super huge in my life. Starting off um, a few years ago, I would just sit back and notice all the negativity that was going on in my life around me. What I really noticed was what I call like a competition of just like negativity. Like I would walk through and I would just see everyone. It's like, man, you're not going to believe what happened to me today. There's like, no, like they'd get done talking almost like before they're even done speaking. It's like, no, like, listen, like I had something that happened that was so much worse. And like that, I've noticed that happens all the way from talking with middle schoolers to even talking with like my grandparents. Like it's crazy how it just is so contagious because I had had days where I was going on and it felt like a good day. And then just talking with someone and them saying the bad stuff that happened in their day, I'd be like, oh yeah, something bad happened to me too. And like, you almost feel like obligated to share like the bad stuff that's going on in your life. And then it puts such a focus on it. So something that I've been working on, especially in the past like year to two years is just flipping it, recognizing that someone's focusing on the negative because it's such, it's such a contagious culture, the sharing of negativity. And I would just recognize that and flip it to try and say, Oh yeah, like I'm really sorry that happened to you. Just say, Normally, I will just start off with what's the best thing that happened today because it's that not feeding into the negativity because when you feed into it, it just spreads. And I feel like not focusing on all the bad stuff is a very good start to being content in your life because now something that would often happen to me is I would just feed into those conversations and feed into that negativity and it would really just take away from the day that I was having and I'd be having a good day. I, I love what you said, just how it's like a competition. Yeah. I just, it's so funny how it's contagious, like you said, but positivity I think is equally as contagious, but it is harder to lead in being positive and content. I wanted to ask a question. What do you think, what do you think, what do you think drives that negativity? What do you think is the reason that it's so easy to be negative? Have you ever thought about that in your life or your friend's life? I think it's because it's easier to have like a pity party <laughs> for yourself than to like look for the good because sometimes you have to look for the good. You have to like search it out and um, definitely look for it. Like it's not always easy to find, but it's easier to find the negativity and it's just easier to sit there feeling bad for yourself. Yeah, for sure. I had, um, I know that going through and trying to lead with positivity, 
a lot of times it would circle back to the negativity. And with Instagram and social media, I feel like to strangers, everyone is always trying to blast their best image. Like I'm having like the time of my life. Like I'm so happy. Like look at how much fun I had with my friends last weekend. Like we didn't just go to the beach and take pictures and then leave. Like I promise we had a fantastic time, (laughs) you know? And I think when you're just constantly blasted with everyone pretending like they're having the best time ever, you feel like when you get down and you're actually comfortable having a conversation with someone, that's when you can kind of vent and get out the crap that's actually happening. So I feel like everyone trying to put on this perfect image, really it makes it so that when you're alone with people and one-on-one, it can make a much more negative atmosphere, I feel like. Yeah, I definitely feel like the negativity people tend to mistake in our culture is what we want is we want like genuine relationships. We want to be real with each other. I know that's something I really crave. Um, And I feel like people tend to mistake being sharing the most negative aspects of your life with people is being as close as you possibly can be with someone. And if you're actually in a real genuine relationship with someone, you're sharing the highs and the lows and you're not just focusing on the negatives with them because that's just pouring out this burden on someone else instead of figuring out your own issues and going to someone who can actually help you with that. A real relationship is sharing the great things that are going on and then trusting each other with the bad things, not just displaying this happy image with certain people. Sometimes in the church, we kind of get that like, oh, I'm this person at church, but then you see me at home. It's not the same at all. And so I feel like that's just like a mistake in our culture is like we crave that genuine conversation, but we think that it has to be about the worst parts of us. So I think I want to kind of move this conversation what do you how would you define contentment versus just optimism so what do you feel like the difference is between those two like a biblical contentment versus an optimism all right okay there's not a right answer it's just more of just like sparking a conversation yeah so for me biblical contentment is like what i've learned especially during the whole quarantine at the beginning of the year, school being canceled, everything was just not going as planned. And um, that's when the Lord really tested me. Um, What I realized is that focusing on like the kingdom, like what's eternal, like what is ruling in your life, like what's more important to you, eternal things or things that are going to fade like even like okay so I'm a girl who loves love (laughs) and I want to get married and I'm all about that but like even marriage isn't eternal like the only marriage that is eternal is with Jesus and so like what is our focus on that has a lot to do with contentment like what you're focusing on what you're striving for in life like why are you making all this money to buy a new car to um, buy a fancy old house that's gonna fade very soon and like it's just about like what you're focusing on yeah for sure I had a night um you're talking about you love love and you love marriage and but even like all that stuff fades I had a night where I was having uh it would have been a very nice biblical night we were had some praise and worship songs we were saying I was having good conversation but their entire time there's this girl that wasn't texting me back And I let that consume my thoughts the entire night. So I'm just sitting there like zoned out. Like we were all in a circle around a campfire talking about the Lord. And I could have gotten so much out of it. But instead, the entire time, like I was just blank faced, like 
staring directly <laughs> across the fire like the person across me probably thought that I was like wigging out like what is why is Zach looking at me like that but I'm just sitting there like so out of it just because this girl wouldn't text me back and like at the end of the night I went through and I talked to my friend he was like Zach like are you good like you you do not seem like yourself tonight like we had a real good conversation you just weren't in it I was like honestly bro like this girl she's not texting me back (laughs) (laughs) and he looks at me and he just goes okay (laughs) I was like like you don't feel bad for me (laughs) like he was like he was like she'll if she's gonna text you back she's gonna text you back she's like if she's not she's not he was like it's all right and I was like I thought about that and I was like oh my gosh like it's all right. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, of course, in that moment, it seemed so huge. Like what you said, Carissa, like in the big scheme of things, the only thing that matters is my relationship with God. And my relationship with God could have grown so much that night. But I let this worldly, like relationship, just like with some girl that I was talking to absolutely ruin that entire night. And I could have grown closer not only with the people who were around me in person, but also with God. And I literally, I just let that one thing ruin the entire well, night. You need to rethink that, man. God did do something in you. True. He did do something in you. He revealed something in you. Yeah. Because you didn't waste the night. It was just a different. Yeah. True. You're it right. It was just a different type of learning that God was taking you through. Yeah, I needed I needed a little kick in the pants. And my <laughs> hey, that, that's right. You know, my friend at the end of the night, that was Jared DeWitt, and he's an awesome guy. Um, he went and he was just like, "Come on, man!" Like, <laughs> and that's really what I needed. And I went home that night and I prayed about it a bunch, and really it taught me a lot. So I, you're right, I did still get something out of that night. You probably learned a little more valuable lesson with <laughs> yeah, that than right. you would have with the Bible study and worship night. Yeah. So kind of go back, what do you think the difference is between contentment and just optimism or just seeing the best in things? You know what I mean? Like, is there a difference or are they kind of the same? They're definitely not the same. Optimism is just like choosing to focus on the positive things that are going on in life. But I feel like contentment is even if there literally is no positive thing in life, there's knowing that God is the positive thing. And it's kind of being content with the fact that he is enough in any circumstance, whether you are physically like not having the things you need or you emotionally are not having the things you need from the people around you. Or for me, like one of the things is like being optimistic as I'm focusing and trying to figure out like what I want to do with my future and do I want to go to college or do I just want to stay where I'm working right now is like, I've had all this stress about like, okay, I don't know what to do yet, but it's okay because God's going to show me eventually. But contentment is knowing like, okay, uh, where I am right now, God is going to work with me in that moment. And he's going to show me the right path when I need to, as long as I continue to seek him out. But where I am right now, he can still use me and it can still be used for good. And it's not just like, oh, it's all going to be okay. That's a tough place to be, though. It's not fun. Yeah, it sucks. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like my favorite place right now, but it's been a period of growth a lot since the school year ended so weird. I felt like it all just hit way faster. Um. It just hit way harder and faster than it would have. I felt like if it had been like the normal transition, but I felt like you had to all of a sudden you're just thrown into it and you have to figure it out fast. You have to say what you're going to do, go where you're going to go and just stick with it. And that kind of made me think of like what you're talking about, unspoken expectations on God and how you're talking about like 
the worldly things like marriages and stuff don't matter is like what my expectations were on God actually didn't have anything to do with like God. It had to do with like my physical worldly area. Like, okay, God, when are you going to show me what I'm doing with my life? Okay, God, when are you going to send me my future husband? Okay, God, when are you like, when are you going to do the things that I want for this world? Instead of, okay, God, when are you going to show me um, the people that you want me to save or the people who need to be reached out to in this time, not just me, because I'm not the only one who needs to be reached out to during this time. It's not just about us. Um, and just knowing, like, my expectations were so focused on, like, the physical sense in the, like, my whatever, 80, 90, 100 years that I'm going to live. It's so focused on that. It's so focused on, okay, God, when are you going to help provide my finances for college so that I can save more for retirement for when I'm an adult? Like, I don't, I don't need to worry about that right now. My expectations should be on, like, what is God going to do with me, not, like, for me, I guess. Totally. What do you, what, what do you guys think about the tension between being content but having hope for maybe a future or a resolved situation that you're in? How do you, how do you guys just personally work through that in your own life? And maybe if you have an example, give an example, maybe with family or or whatnot. I think you gave a great example with school or or whatnot. But do you guys have any want yeah. to talk about that intention? Well, I was reading in Romans 5 this morning, actually. And I think it's super cool that what I was reading this morning actually speaks to this. And it was just talking about thanking God for the trials that you're going through in your life. And I think that part of being content is not only thanking God for the good, but thanking God for the bad things that are going on in your life. So even though right now um, all of us were stuck in online school, and I know me personally, I hate it. Um, it's the worst ever. <laughs> um, no, he's not I'm, complaining. Though. <laughs> no, I'm not complaining. I promise. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm not a big fan, but it's taught me different things that I could not have learned if I was on school in person because I've learned how to use a lot more different online programs that if I was in school, I would not have been able to learn. I've gotten a lot better at communicating and delegating a project um, with people that I don't know that well without ever seeing their faces and without ever talking to them in person. And those are opportunities that I would not have gotten if I would have been in school. Because if I was in school, all these projects that I would have been working on, I would have just met with them after class, probably talked in a coffee shop or just in one of the hallways, and it would have been done. And now I've had an opportunity to meet with people, but not really meet with people. That's something that I'm going to have to work and use probably for the rest of my life, because there is a lot of different things where you're just chatting with people online, either through emails or through text with different employers or trying to talk to different people that you've never met before. And you have to be a good communicator in that sense. And that's one thing that God has given me through online school that even though I'm not a big fan of online school, that it's still trying to be content so that you can still learn something out of it. Because especially at the start of the year, and I still need to catch myself in it because I still really get down on it that I always tell myself, I can't learn anything through this. Like, I'm not going to learn anything. This isn't teaching me anything. Like, why am I even here? And it's just, get, it teaches different different skills and it's all about being content and if you know that this is the situation that you're in 
and you can't change it and you want to get the best out of it. Yeah. That's good. Well, we've reached our time. That time flew. Jeez. So way to go guys. It was a great conversation. I just want to end with this kind of a last thought around this topic of contentment that I think one of the greatest enemies to contentment is comparison. And I think contentment and being thankful is realizing that God has you on a path that is specific to you. And oftentimes we want other people's paths, but when God, we realize that God is faithful, he knows us and being content is realizing that God uh, has us right where we need to be. And then we go to him and allow him to give us peace with our life currently, but also just with the life that we might have in a year or two years from now. And I just want to end us back on first Timothy six, verse six, that godliness with contentment is great gain and that it is a reward in of itself to be a person who's thankful and content with uh, the life that we're living and with the life that we'll live in the future. So with that, Hannah, Zach, and Carissa, thank you for joining us uh, for uh, this week's uh, message. It was a great conversation. Really appreciated all of your feedback. And if you made it all the way to the end, congratulations. And we hope to see you. There's no prize for you. But we hope to see you next week or hear from you. Or we just hope that you listen next week for our next message that we have. Yeah, that was a terrible ending. Bye. (laughs)